How you guys doing? Good? And those lights are bright. You know, that was a good time of worship, wasn't it? I was thinking as, as Foss was leading us to the throne room of God that, and I, and I could hear all of you singing. I miss that. That's what I love so much, I think, about Wednesday night. I hear your voices singing and being lifted up to God. And the verse that came to my heart was that our praise is a sweet sound to the Lord. And, and I could just see him up there just bright and just big smile on his face, just loving the praises of his people, you, you his sheep. And uh, God loves you guys tonight. He really, really does. It's good to be up here. It's been a while. been a while. You know me, I love to teach the word and stuff. And, uh, well, not stuff. I love teaching the word. I love a lot of other stuff, too, I guess. But I'm excited about being able to teach tonight and teaching through the book of John. I love John. How many of you guys love the book of John, man? Don't lift your hands if you don't. I'm just kidding. But I do. I love the book of John. I always have. We used to pass out, you know, I'm part of the old Jesus people and everything, and we used to hand out little just booklets of just the book of John. And when I, I meet a new believer, the first thing I tell them to do, I try and keep them out of the book of Revelation, but that's usually where they want to go. But I get them to the book of John because it's such a great book. John wrote the book because he wanted people to believe that Jesus was the Son of God. That's the reason why he wrote it, it says in chapter 20, verse 31, that, that as you would read it, as you would study it, as you would see these great signs and these miracles, that you'd come to believe that he's the Messiah, that he's the king. He is the king. So if you've got somebody that's searching for Jesus, that's the book you need to turn them to, the book of John. Before we get into looking at Jesus' first miracle tonight, uh, I, I want to look at uh, John the Baptist for a moment. That guy's a character, isn't he? I tell you. You know, he, he was crazy. I mean, he was a wild man. He was the last of the Old Testament prophets. He dressed up weird. He ate weird food. He ate food my wife likes to eat. <laughs> no, I don't think she eat locusts. Any of you guys eat locusts? No. Locusts and honey and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? What I saw in John, and, and, I, and I had to teach on this a little bit, Pastor, it's okay, huh? Uh, John was a leader who pointed people to Jesus. That's what he did. He said, I'm going to decrease and Jesus is going to increase. And he didn't discourage his disciples, the men who followed him, to go follow after Jesus. That's what John the Baptist did. He truly did do that. You see, you know what a good leader does? He doesn't make people dependent on themselves. He makes them dependent on Jesus. That's what our pastor does. That's what our pastors do. They try and make you guys, all of us, dependent on him, not on an individual person. Because an individual person could be gone in just a moment. And you know that that can happen. John never compromised his message. He never compromised his, the method that he used. And he was always obedient to God. He had such a short ministry, didn't he? 
I mean, he was here and then just gone. I don't even know how long it was. And, and, and death cut his ministry short. God called him home. He did what he was supposed to do. He fulfilled the ministry that God called him to do. And all of us have something to do for God. And he won't take you home until you're done with it. I tell my kids that all of the time. You know, they get concerned with me, the junk I eat. But uh, I still look pretty good, though, for an old guy. I tell them over and over again, I've told these young pastors of ours, too, I said, God won't take me home until my time is up, and I'm not supposed to minister anymore. So, you know, pray for me that I live a long time, because my kids and my family really want me to live long. So, you know, I appreciate that. His message was simple. It was clear. We've been talking about witnessing. It was as clear as day, wasn't it? He looked at people and said, you repent. Repent of your sins. Simple, clear. The, the, the gospel that's contained in our Bibles is simple. It's clear, isn't it? Call on the name of the Lord. You will be saved. That's it. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be saved. There's a lot of different verses in there, and it's not just one way that you get saved. Say a prayer. You get saved. It's simple, it's easy, and, and as Pastor Jeff was talking about, you're a witness, but we do share, and we do witness, and when we witness, we need to make it very simple and very clear. It's so easy. You just look at a person and say, we used to say all the time, Jesus loves you. People loved hearing that all, you know, back in the old Jesus days. I don't know, if nowadays they think you're weird if you said that, but our world needs love, so you can tell them sometimes, Jesus loves you, man. It's a powerful message, it really is. He was so real, wasn't he? He was authentic, he was genuine. He didn't act spiritual, he was spiritual. And there's a difference to that. There truly, truly is. I met a lot of people who think they're really spiritual and act spiritual, and they really aren't. And what I mean by that is, he I think I'm going in and out, huh? What I mean by that is he listened and he was led by the Spirit of God. That's what a spiritual person does. Listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Oh, we come against that. And I'll tell you something. Our world wants to see real Christians, guys. That's what they truly want. They don't want to just see Christians putting on an act. But what they truly want to see is people who live what they preach. Amen. Keep going. I'm just Keep going. Whew. All right. I feel them back there. And then just this one last thing about John the Baptist. He was the, ar he was the harbinger. He was the one who prepared the way for the Lord. That was his purpose. That's why he came into this earth to do that one very thing. If there's just one person in your life you need to share Jesus with, that's good enough. And maybe you bring him right into the kingdom of God. Tonight I have a great section of scripture, the whole book of John is great. I just, I love it. I'm, I'm, you can tell I'm pretty excited about this. Last time I taught this, you're not going to believe it's like 1994. That's how long ago it was. I pulled out my notes and just went from there and then massaged a whole lot of stuff around. But we're going to look at Jesus' first of many miracles. There's seven miracles that were recorded in John and 37 of them you know, all together in all of the Gospels. That little bit of information, I'll never get you saved, but it's information. The scriptures, guys, are there to help us grow as followers of Christ, right? 
That's what they're for. That's why you're here tonight, because you're hungry. You want to hear the word of God, and you want to change. You want to be more like Jesus. We're going to get some good nuggets tonight. I watched Gold Rush with my little grandkid. You know, any of you watch Gold Rush? Oh, come on, that's it? <laughs> I love that show. And my grandkid loves all the big machinery. But they're searching for gold. And you know what the Bible says about the Bible? It says that this is finer than gold. That's what it is. So let, let's, uh, let's stand as I read through a few verses here and as we honor God's word. I've entitled this tonight, Do Whatever Jesus Tells You to Do. And we're going to do something a little bit different, and it kind of had a confirmation. I felt like when I did this message, you know, we always do like one little question, and usually it's through the kind of the middle of the message and stuff, but I felt like we needed to do it at the end. And when we were meeting with some of the table coaches with Pastor Jeff and Pastor Jeremy up there, there was a good confirmation because I wanted to kind of do the whole question at the end. And Jeff said, hey, why don't you do it at the end? And I went, okay, I'll do it at the end. So let's look at this, and then we'll pray. Chapter 2, if you got your Bibles of John. It says, the next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, they have no wine. You get that picture? She goes up to Jesus and says that. And he says, dear woman, that's not our problem. Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is like gold. Thank you that it's called like even a seed. And that, God, I pray that as the seeds are thrown out today in fertile soil, soil hopefully, in your people's hearts, that you would bring change and you'd bring great fruit, Lord. Much fruit, Lord. Help us to grow. Water us, Lord. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Put us in places where we need to be. Put us in places of darkness that we might bring the light to this world that is in so much darkness, so much chaos, and that evil is just running rampant. Thank you for the word of God, Lord, that it is life and light to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you guys all sit down? Jesus, as we are reading right there, is at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And this is about three days after, and I should have a slide up there of uh, John the Baptist. And hopefully you, got, you guys know John the Baptist was his cousin, right? Right? They told you that. Good. And this is when he looks, and here's his disciples that I was talking about, and he says, look, behold, the Lamb of God that what? Takes away the sin of the world. So three days after this, Jesus finds himself at this wedding celebration at this marriage that was going on. And listen, these ceremonies, they went on for days and days and days, even possibly a week. Have you any of gone to like weddings that lasted more than a day? I did a while back ago. It was good friends of ours. It was incredible. <laughs> it was down in La Jolla, and it lasted for three days. And it was for this girl that I've known since she's been three, and it's one of my best friends. 
and it was it was so much fun. It was just great at La Jolla. You guys ever been down there? It's beautiful. The seals are crawling all over the rocks. The surf was good. I didn't go out surfing, but I should have. But we stayed, you know, it was at this hotel and everything, and they, they just, they fed us all the time. It's like, and, and I stayed at the place where they had the wedding, and I'm going to tell you something. I'm so cheap, it's ridiculous. And I mean, it was costing me about three to four hundred bucks a night to stay in this place. And my wife couldn't even believe that. You know, she thought I got, I don't know, zapped or something because we were at this place. But I figured, hey, if they're feeding us, I don't have to go anywhere. This might be well worth it. But it lasted for three days. I've never been to a wedding like that. Well, these weddings went on and on and on and on, you know. And uh, Jesus and his disciples were invited. That's a good thing to invite Jesus, isn't it, to some things that you're doing? We need to invite them wherever we go. Five of his disciples were there. Uh, Andrew, Peter, uh, Nathaniel, John, and James were there. And Jesus' mother was at the wedding. Well, why were they all there? Well, probably it was one of Mary's relatives is what it was. And it, it, you know, it appears that it was probably a, a pretty large size wedding that they were going to. And did you notice in verse 3 there, they ran out of wine. That was a big problem. That was a really, really big problem. It's about one of the worst things that could have happened in that culture at that time. They, they would be mortified or they'd be totally embarrassed. How many of you ever been embarrassed? All right, everybody, raise your hand. Come on. We've all been embarrassed, of course. Some of you are more embarrassed than others. But it's interesting to note that the rabbis at that time, those were just the teachers. Jesus was even called a rabbi from time to time. That they, they spoke of wine as being a sign of God's joy. So all of a sudden, this is like this picture of God's joy running out in this joyous celebration that was going on at that time. Don't you guys love God's joy? I love it, man. I need it. I love it. It's our strength. And you guys remember back? I, I love building on truths that's already been spoken. You remember when, when Pastor Jeff talked about joy, what it meant? You guys still remember what it was? It was good. It was so good, I know he didn't come up with it, that the Holy Spirit gave it to him. It was that good. It, it was this, and I, I love it. I, I didn't even have to look it up. You know, I just, I remembered it. It was, I don't want to say wrong, but it was Jesus over your circumstances. I like that, Pastor. That's good. We used to say in the Jesus movement, it was Jesus, others, and yourself. And Pastor Jeff's is better, isn't it? Don't you guys think? It's better. Of course. Yeah. I like that. I really do. So Mary asked Jesus to do something. And kind of she was nudging him to kind of show himself, maybe possibly as the Messiah. Remember when it was spoken to her heart? She knew who was inside her before he came out. You guys, you know that song that's out, uh, Mary, Do You Know? Man, isn't that a beautiful song? I think McKenzie sung it here with us one time. Man, what a beautiful song. All those things pondered up. I, I heard the guy spoke that, that he, he just started thinking about what Mary must have thought about all this. And, and that, man, unbelievable, huh? So she was kind of like nudging him to kind, to kind of show himself maybe. But she did go to Jesus for help. And that's a good thing, isn't it? When we need something, you know, when, when, when there's something that we need a little bit of help, it's good to go to Jesus because he's the one that's going to help you through all of that. 
And Jesus' remark in chapter or in verse 4 seems maybe a little disrespectful when you look at it because he, sa- he says woman. You think, well, he ought to say mom, you know, mother. But it was very respectful. It was gentle. But this is what I see here is that he calls her woman, and he does that when he's on the cross too. And, and what begins to happen here is you see a change from him being Mary's son to Jesus being Lord of all. You begin to see the authority that God has placed upon his son as being different than just her son. This is God Almighty. This is the Logos. This is the word. This is the word who was with God and was God. That's what it is. You know, we got a unique situation in, in our congregation. You got Pastor Jeff and you got Pastor Jeremy. Both have their family in this congregation, don't they? You have Heidi, Jeremy's uh, mom, and you've got Jeff's mom and dad. He's their, they are their son, but yet they are also their pastor. And there needs to be respect when it comes to that. That's a tough thing to do for people to, to do from time to time. But I'm going to tell you something. Heidi needs to respect Jeremy as pastor. Jeff's parents need to respect him as pastor. And you know what? They both do. And that's a good thing. Very, very good thing. I love that Mary makes a request to Jesus. And that's what we're supposed to do, right? Philippians 4, 6, you know, this whole scripture. I guess we don't have it. There we go, up there. Talks about prayer, talks about supplication, talks about with thanksgiving. What are we doing? Make our request known to God. You want to get something done, you got to ask, right? If you don't ask, you don't receive. You really don't. But, you know, it's interesting that Jesus isn't bound to Mary's request, and Jesus is not bound to our request either. You hearing what I'm saying? He's not bound to answer that if it's not what he wants to do in our life or allow in our life. But I love verse 5, and this is the whole thing, and we're going to talk about this at the end. Mary tells the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. Do whatever he tells you to do. And did you notice that Jesus chose to do it his way? Remember old Frank Sinatra, he sung that song, Doing It My Way? I don't know what that got him, but, you know. But I thought about, he did it his way. He didn't take any suggestions, did he? And I think from time to time, we try and give Jesus suggestions on how he needs to work out our situation and get this fixed and do that kind of stuff. I don't think he really needs our suggestions, guys. He said, let there be, and there was. Everything that we see. I mean, that's, that's, I think he chuckles sometimes when we maybe start trying to tell him, you know, what to do. It'd be like my little grandkid telling grandpa how to do something that he has no idea what he's doing. But it's interesting, isn't it? Let's look at verses 6 through 12, and then we'll get a little bit more into this. It says, standing nearby were six stone water, water jars, each used for Jewish ceremonial washing, each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. 
And this is what he says. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. And then when everyone has had a lot to drink, notice that, he brings out the less expensive wine. A little sneaky, huh? But you have kept the best till now. And then verse 11, this is what it says. This miracle sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. After the wedding, he went to Capernaum for a few days with his mother, his brothers, and his disciples. Well, let's look at this a little bit. Do whatever Jesus tells you to do. I love that, huh? And like I said, he did it his way. He did it the way he thought it was supposed to do. And if you notice, and we should have a picture, of the, we have those pots up there. He used what was on hand. Okay, they ran out of wine. You see the whole situation. Probably hundreds and hundreds of people there. You, got all, you have all of these pots that are there, six of them. Six of them. There's only three there. I could only find three. But, there's only, but there were six of them, and they were for uh, the purification. But each of them was about 20 to 30 gallons full. So, you know, you guys are pretty smart. You can do the math, right? It's 120 to 180 gallons, right, that there was. And those pots were used for washing of their hands and their feet and cups and tables and things like that. Listen, they didn't live where we live. They didn't have roads that are paved. They had dirty, dingy roads. When I first went down to Costa Rica in the, in the 90s to go surfing down there, we'd go down there, there were dirt roads all over the place. And we used to say, boy, when they pave this place, everybody will be here. They're paved now, aren't they, Jeff? There you go. Pastor Jeff went down there. My wife would beg me to take her down there, and I said, you don't want to go down there. It was, it was so dusty and so grimy. That's why they had the water, and they used it to cleanse themselves through all of that. So they had six of these pots hanging around there to do that. Why? Because it was a big, big wedding. Remember the feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000? Jesus used what was on hand, didn't he? Remember the 5,000, five loaves, two fish. The 4,000, seven loaves, two fish. I don't get that one. Five for 5,000 and seven for 4,000. Well, whatever. This is kind of the point that I see with all of that, is that Jesus is probably going to use what's available to him to meet your need. And you're saying, what? What are you talking about there? Listen. In other words, if you need money, he's not gonna, you don't have a tree in the backyard picking money off the tree. Wouldn't it be great if you could do that? It'd be awesome. I saw a thing on the news where people are like, I can't remember what they call it, but they're ripping money out of ATMs and stuff like that. I'm not telling you to do that, okay? <laughs> but in other words, if you need a car, someone's probably going to give you a car that's out there. You know what I'm saying? He's going to give you a job or whatever it might be. And listen, I've known people where people have given them cars because they have a need there. He's going to probably use what's on hand to do that. It's not just going to come out of thin air to do that. And Jesus gave, and this is a point here, he gave specific instructions which required, and you guys are going to remember these words, willingness and obedience. We talked about those two words, didn't we? In the messages on Sunday. And compliance. Jesus tell them, tells them, and we should have a picture of them filling the pots here. I think we might even have another picture. If you can flip back and forth, I don't know. To fill the pots to the brim. Fill it all the way up. Remember, the water had be kind of out of it, so he's telling them to fill the water back up again. 
Okay, that's what he's doing. Water went down in the pots. Now he's saying, go fill them all back up again. And they're probably wondering, how are we getting wine out of this thing here? And then Jesus tells him to do what? Draw out some of them, some of it, and give it to the head waiter, the master of ceremony. Probably what happened, guys, was this. As they drew the water out, that's where the miracle took place. That's where the water probably turned to wine is what it did. And as they did that, and kind of the point of what I'm trying to say here is that as we are doing, as we are moving, as we are going, that's when things happen. You get it? God can't drive a parked car. You can't drive it. My grandkid will try and drive it. Don't get anywhere. You can't go anywhere unless it's moving. So as we're doing, moving, and going. The master uh, of ceremony, taste the wine, and that guy is just, he's blown away. It's like, wow, you know, calls the groom over and says, hey, man, you serve the best wine now. You're supposed to serve that at the very beginning. It's kind of like, what's up with that? I say that all the time. The little grandkids, a little, you know, mockingbird, he just says that, and my, my kids get mad at him for saying that kind of stuff. The usual is to serve the good wine, and then later on you put the crappy stuff out when kind of people are wasted. But listen, this good news, this new wine caused the waiter to go talk to the bridegroom. Good news is hard not to share, isn't it? It really is. We've been talking about sharing again, too, and activation. See how it all ties together here? How God kind of talks to us about all this? You know? Whatever it might be, you get a new car, I can guarantee you're going to go tell your buddies you got a new car. You get a new grandkid, put my grandkid up there. All right. Here's my little grandkid. Jeremiah, Thomas, and my middle name, Gene. <laughs> but it's hard not to share it. I got in trouble for sharing it on Facebook when I put it on when, they, when that guy came out December the 26th. And I, and I got in trouble because they wanted to put it out first. So Grandpa got <laughs> chastised. <laughs> so I had to pull it off again or something. But listen to this. I, I was thinking, too, you know, it made me think a lot kind of going through this all over again. Said, at first I went, wow, you know, there's probably a whole lot of wine left over. Because I was thinking, well, all the wine, you know, is it, all the water turned the wine. I don't think so. I think it was just kind of as it was needed. You know what I'm saying? They just dipped in, got the water, and then just started putting it out. She said, come on, how'd you come up with that? Remember the children of Israel in the wilderness? Remember manna? Remember they had manna burgers? They had all sorts of stuff. And every time they went out there to get it, they could only take what? What they needed. And if they took too much, what happened? It spoiled is what it did. I really think that's probably what happened there. Drew it out as it was needed. See, Jesus was concerned at the need of the moment, and he's concerned about the need of our moment too, whatever it might be, whether it's tonight or whether, you know, it's just two days down the road. Listen, these verses don't condone drinking, okay? It doesn't. And I'm going to speak to you as an old pastor guy here. I'm going to tell you something. Christians drink too much. They really do. And I can rebuke you a little bit, and that's okay. You can not like me for a little while, but hopefully you like me later. 
You know, we bought into this whole world thing, you know, that it, it, it's kind of cool to do that stuff. But I'm going to tell you guys, Christians drink too much. They really do. Listen to what the Bible says. First Corinthians, Paul wrote this. As a Christian, I may do what? Anything. But that does not mean that everything is good for me. I may do everything, but I must not be a slave of anything. Ephesians, he says, don't be, what, drunk with wine because that will, what, ruin your life. And it does ruin people's lives, doesn't it? Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And then good old Solomon said this in Proverbs. Wine produces mockers and alcohol leads to what? Brawls. Have you ever been around brawls when people are drinking too much? And what does it say? It says, those led astray, those led astray by drink cannot be wise. You know, I'm not saying you can't, you, can't, you can't drink. I'm just saying you need to be careful. We all need to be very, very careful when it comes to that. Why did Jesus do this miracle? I'll give you seven things, and we'll run through it pretty quick, and then we're going to ask a question at the end, have the table coaches. One, verse 11, exactly what it says. This miracle sign at Cana of Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory. And then it says, and his disciples believed in him. It showed the glory and the power of God the Father through Jesus, his son. He revealed that he could do supernatural things. That's what it did. And that he was Lord over all. That he was just like his father was with the Israelites. Remember that in Egypt? Those plagues and all that stuff. And then the parting of the Red Sea. I can't wait for Charlton Heston when it comes around Easter time. You know, just boom, open up that whole thing. Miraculous. Those people were supposed to show God's glory and power. Two, it helped people, even his disciples, to believe in him and put their trust in him. Miracles, signs, wonders, healings, all of those things are to help reinforce belief in Jesus. Any of you have ever experienced a, a miracle, a sign or something that's just so supernatural? Raise your hand up. Look at that, a lot. I had one happen to me probably 30 years ago, maybe even longer than that. I'm telling you, I've had others too. I run it late, so I'll share one. I was on the 10 freeway. I was headed out to Montebello to do an addition uh, for a guy that, you know, contracted me to build that for him. I'm way out there past Los Angeles, and I'm listening to music. Uh, you know, if I was spiritual, I was probably listening to some Christian stuff. If not, I don't know, Jimi Hendrix or something. I don't know. But I'm listening to music, probably listening to Christian stuff at that time, blasting down the road. And I'm not kidding you, just having a good time thinking about that and all of a sudden, right in front of me, I see two cars just crash and just start spinning around. And all I could say was, oh, Lord. And I'm not kidding you. Just like the Red Sea, it just went like this. Whew, opened up right in front of me. I shot past. And I'm, you know, I can even get goosebumps now. And I looked in my rear view mirror, and I saw more cars crashing into each other behind me. And I just sailed on past that whole thing. And I felt like the Lord saying, I just took you through this. Boy, I tell you, talking about seeing God's glory and power, that made me believe that he could do a lot of stuff. He saved me from another car wreck like that and saved my son, too. I can go on a lot of different stuff like that. That's what they're for, to help us believe. Three, to show what can happen if, and that's the big point, if we follow Jesus' directions. If we follow his directions. 
the deficiencies of our life can be filled. But we have to follow his directions. And that goes back to those same words. We got to be willing and we got to be obedient. See, God's, God's speaking to us, guys, about something here to all of us. Not, not, not just a few, but to all of us that we need to be obedient and we need to be willing in this next year that we're facing. This is a new year with a lot of new challenges. And I, I believe we've got challenges. We've got changes coming to our church and to some of you individuals. God's going to challenge you. And you got to be willing and obedient to, to follow him. You know, are you hearing? Are you listening? we got two of these, right? And only one. Most of us use this more than we use this, right? We need to do that. I, 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 I thought that there's a lot of Christians sometimes, and what they do is they refuse to hear what he's telling them to do. They just refuse to hear. I don't want to hear that, Lord. And you know what they do? They, they go around trying to get someone to tell them what they want to hear. And I'm going to tell you something. You go around long enough and you talk to enough people, the devil will get exactly them to say something what you want to hear. I can guarantee it. And it probably ain't going to be what the Lord wants you to do through all of that. Four, it shows that he wants to bless marriages. He wants to bless marriages with his presence and his grace. He wants to us who are married to invite Christ in our marriages and to keep him in our marriages. Hebrews 13, 4 says, Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge those who are immoral and those who commit adultery. That's a scary verse. We won't even talk about that one. Five, it says he shows concern for our needs, for the moment concerns and the future thing. Uh, Philippians 4, you know, God's going to supply all of our needs. And then six, we're going to wrap this up here. Uh, Jesus doesn't have to bow to our wills and to our demands. He just doesn't have to do that, guys. I've learned that. I've learned that. He doesn't have to do that. So it's not a good idea to demand things from him. It really isn't. You know, it's like young kids demanding things from their parents and stuff. You ever see kids doing that? Hopefully your kids aren't doing that. And you don't give in to those things that are crazy. Can you imagine if God gave us some of the stuff we wanted? We'd be a mess. We're already a mess. We'd be worse. <laughs> you know? And then seven. Jesus can, can turn simple things into rich things. He, he, he took water and he turned it into this sweet new wine is what he did. That, that sign of bringing God's joy. You know what I mean? He, he can take bad situations and, and turn them around and use them for our good, Right? Romans, I use this verse a lot. I use a lot of verses over and over again because I want them getting in your heart and in your souls so you know them. God causes all things. All things? What does all things mean, guys? All things. He causes all things to work together for our good. You know? So here you go. We're going to do our little questions. I don't know if we have it out there, but basically what I want you guys to do, your table coaches will be there and kind of guide you through that. Are they supposed to ask it or am I supposed to ask it, Jeff? You know, what I want you to share, and your table coach is directed through her, what, what is maybe the one thing that Jesus is asking you to do? Remember, Mary said, you do what my son tells you to do. So what is that one thing? I don't know what it is. Maybe he's 
telling you, I just throw it there. Maybe he's just telling you to go speak to your neighbor next door or whatever it might be, okay? So share that. Let your coaches take you through that, right? Is that good? Spend a little bit of time, and then we'll just wrap it up, close it up. You guys good? Let's all stand up. To make you do something a little different. <laughs> That's good. Good. Really good. Good section, huh? Real good section. It's amazing, huh? This miracle didn't take any money. It really didn't. It really did. Didn't take a Costco down the street to go get some more wine. All it took was people being willing and obedient, right? That was it. Listening to what Jesus told them to do. That's not too easy to do from time to time, though, is it, guys? It really isn't. I admit it, too. It's tough. It's really tough. I remember as a young Christian, you know, I, I hung around a guy that, uh, he's like a brother to me. I used to, you know, when I first got saved, I got saved at 19, very young age. I know I'm not that old, so I haven't been saved that long. <laughs> and I remember it was a tough thing that God told me to do. He told me, he said, you need to get away from that guy. And he was like a brother to me. I'm telling you, he really was. And uh, when I hung around him, and I thought I was a pretty strong Christian, he could just take me back into the world is what he would do. But I listened to the Lord. And it was tough, and it was a good thing, really good thing. God rewards us and does good things in our life when we do what he tells us to do, doesn't he? He truly does. Why don't you grab a hand of the person next to you and just pray. Think about that person on the left-hand side of you, the right-hand side of you, and let, let's just be quiet for a little bit. Just, you know what? Maybe God just impresses something on your heart to just pray for that person on your left and on your right. Just make a quick prayer for them, whatever it might be, you know? And maybe it's that they know more of Jesus this year. I don't know. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. God, it's good to be with brothers and sisters. It truly is. It's such a great thing. There's such unity when we gather together as brothers and sisters in your name. It's been good tonight, Lord. It truly has. We sensed your presence. We sensed your love in this place and your grace. We sense you calling us, Lord, calling us to move ahead, to draw closer to you as this year goes on. We got. 11 more months to go on, Lord. We don't know what holds in the future for us, Lord, but you do. Help us to stay close to you. To you. Help us to listen to you. Help us to follow you wherever you want us to go. If we need to turn left, we turn left. If we need to turn right, we turn right. Help us to love this world, Lord, because they so desperately need it. They truly do. To love one person at a time, Lord. I love that. You're all about love, Lord. And we're supposed to do your work and your business. So take these words, seal them in our heart. Work them out, God. I know you spoke many things tonight, things I didn't even say. And I know you're going to take these seeds and these nuggets, Lord, and, and bring forth fruit. And that's why we love you, Lord, because you do good things in our life. So it's in your name that we pray. And they all said, amen. amen. All right. God bless you guys.